Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. We're talking about the simulation theory again, and we're trying to figure out why does this even matter? But before we get into it, Mike, how are you doing and what are you drinking? Well, once again, my brain hurts, but luckily I have some cold stillhouse black bourbon to uh, <laughs> make this simulation go a little bit better. How about you, my friend? What are you drinking and how are you doing? I'm doing great. I got some Widmer Brothers Heffenweizen. And yeah, I enjoyed our talk last time about the simulation theory, but still don't understand why it matters. Because I don't, I mean, I guess I don't think it really does. I think it's just something fun to talk about, whether it's real or not, or does it? Yes. Will it change everything I do? And no, I don't, I don't know. Uh, for those listening, we did do a different simulation theory episode, which we are not going to cover the same stuff. Uh, it's going to be, this is kind of, a lot has changed over the years, especially with technology improving and new stuff has come up with the simulation theory, new research papers, new stuff. So this is this is a whole other beast itself. So give a listen to the first one if you want to hear a different side to this one. But uh, yeah, Nick, it's I don't know how much control we have of it, but I still want to know. Well, I mean, if we're a simulation, then we're pretty much de- like uh, it's determinism, which well, is also another episode we did that's equally as depressing. <laughs> I actually might have found some. Good news. One, bad news for if we live in a simulation, good news for free will. But I'll get to that later in the podcast. Just a quick update for those who don't know who what simulation theory is. And I don't know if you're living underneath a rock, if you don't know what simulation theory is. But uh, first scientifically published by Nick Brostrom in the early 21st century. And it would ripple into the mainstream scientific philosophy worlds. But before that, it dates much older famous examples would be movies like the matrix total recall uh but going back even farther for you history buffs plato's cave analogy and just a quick remnants because i imagine no one's quite a nerd like me uh pretty much a bunch of guys live in a cave all they see is shadows one escapes comes free sees the real world uh goes back to his shadow mates and tells them about the real world all his shadow mates say he's full of shit that's not true. They're looking at the real world, and it's the shadows that they think is the real world. It sounds awfully like the it, Matrix. Well, yeah, definitely sounds a pretty damn similar. And I'll be honest, Nick, uh, with technology advancing as fast as it is, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility that one day we will simulate not just experiments, but entire universes ourselves, let alone if we're an experiment or not. Which we... We are, right? <laughs> no matter what is true or not, it's an ex- what we're doing is an experiment. Isn't that what, uh, now I'm getting way off topic, but didn't Ben Franklin call the United States a great experiment? I think so. But, but yeah, but anyway, why would we be a simulation? I guess this is the question I, is, I think is the most interesting is if we are a simulation, what is the purpose? 
So there's a, f- a few theories, um, and uh, the one I think is most likely is the ancestor theory. And I know we kind of disagreed on this before, but the ancestor theory is that the simulation is being run by people, beings in the future, trying to figure out how they got to where they are. So they're running a bunch of simulations to kind of see like themes and events that happen to get to where they are because they're so far in the future. And I think that's, I don't know, that makes sense to me. I think that's dumb as hell. Even the Nick Bolson, the one who wrote it, says in his main three bullet points of simulation theory is humans are unlikely to run an ancestor simulation. My guess it would be, I don't want to get too far into it yet, but that we're an AI simply made to develop and create one mind, more minds are better than one. So just like run a program, just see what they create and what they come up with any good creations, you know, like, uh, you know, like <laughs> charging my battery <laughs> from Rick and Morty. It's like, if they're useful, just keep the simulation running. Yeah. And then we, we could just be a game too. So uh, who knows? Yeah. I saw also sitcom TV. I mean, would be interesting that our greatest moments and our worst moments would all be television. But I want to first look at how lucky you are just to exist and think about all the things you had to go through for right now to you exist, which to me statistically seems impossible. Not only did the Big Bang have to happen, which is still up to debate if that actually happened, uh, everything in the scientific world had to happen the way it happened. Stars had to form and die. Stars had to be able to form the right materials when they exploded so that we get more elements so we can be created. We had to be born in the Goldilocks zone. So many things happened to go right that it seems improbable to me. Now, I might just be bad luck Joe and good things don't usually happen. But it seems when something's too good to be true, it usually is. And the amount of things that have gone right for humanity to exist, doesn't it just doesn't seem right. Yes, yes and no. Like, I I agree. It's great. Like, the fact that we're living on one of the pieces of rock floating in the universe, that's the perfect distance from a star. And we've also are born at a time because our rock has oxygen and a bunch of other stuff that allowed life to thrive survived countless meteor hits happens to be in the but right Goldilocks zone but, in a in a galaxy but it's a big universe it's got to happen somewhere like i agree i agree and disagree with you at the same time you think it is completely it is completely unlikely but you're thinking it's, shotgun at the uh, dartboard and just one of the pellets have to hit the bullseye yeah yeah. Well, let me give you an example of why I think you, uh, though I want to agree with you, I think might be wrong. Fundamental physics and math. Yes, Nick, your favorite. Far, far away from trees. I just listened to 30 minutes on ca- uh, capillary action, so. You got your fix for the day. <laughs> yeah, I am tuning this part out, but continue. <laughs> well. It has to do with annihilation and explosion, so maybe you'll pay attention. The universe itself should not exist. Physics says so. The universe should have destroyed itself moments after its creation. Destroyed by antimatter. Destroyed by the very thing the universe created. 
causing a process called annihilation. Now, for those who don't know, antimatter, well, it's yin and yang to matter. If you have antimatter and matter touching each other, they cancel each other out. And uh, fun fact, the universe is made of matter. So the universe should have wiped itself out, but it didn't. And scientists can only guess why. Which begs the question to me about how matter can be created or destroyed. Kind of makes me wonder. But by all means, mathematically speaking, the universe should have created 50% antimatter, 50% matter. And they should have wiped each other out. The best guess they have is the universe created 50.000001% of matter and 49.99999% of antimatter, and that's how we exist. Fundamentally, we should have all been wiped out by antimatter. And if I'm looking at this from a simulation prospect or a personal view, if I created a program, a video game, or experiment, I wouldn't want it to destroy itself right away. So I I would probably curve it a little bit so it grows and at least gets a chance off the ground. So I... Let me make sure I'm getting this straight. So the the argument is because statistically it seems impossible for us to exist because right there's uh, a, a dis like a not the right amount of matter versus antimatter. That and we also don't that, know where the antimatter is. I mean, our government misplaces billions of dollars. I don't know. Just because you don't know where something <laughs> is doesn't mean it's not there. I'll be honest. I think I think the universe is more competent than our government. That that's not setting the bar very. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that seems unfair. <laughs> yeah, but it's still true. <laughs> but you mentioned other ideas of why people think the simulation is started. What are some others of why the simulation started? Yes. So, um, I think that there's a so one that like you just mentioned. We're just like kind of a an AI that's running some sort of equation that we don't quite know what it is. Um, others that uh, just trying to figure out like the best possible route of survival, right? Like, so you're doing, there's a problem in the future and you there's a, we're running all these like simulations to figure out which route which path that we take will not get everyone killed. I'll be really pissed if it's not that and we're just a, you know, art piece hanging on some fucking Like a wall. Sims? Yeah. Oh, I mean, we're probably Sims, right? I oh, mean, pro- yeah. Hundred- how, Do you see how dumb how people many, are? Well, how many, like, computers are running super crazy algorithms and how many Sims programs are running right now? <laughs> A lot. Oh, imagine if we're in a war, if in a Call of Duty simulation. <laughs> That's why there's so many glitches and errors. <laughs> Harsh. Yeah. Or the the one that I thought was pretty funny is someone's like, so there's heaven and hell, but this life is just the tutorial for the rest of your life. I saw that one as well. But it is funny how we keep talking about art and coders, like. It's so hard not to draw the analogy to video games and simulation theory. But every artist, every creator, one way or the other, 
leaves a signature to their work, a pattern, a a footprint, so to speak. And uh, Nick, I you you gave me two weeks to do this, and I went down down the rabbit hole, which I. You ever have to open a Wikipedia page and open 27 more to read the Wikipedia page? Is that just, you're just clicking the the out of the donate to Wikipedia ads, or are you just actually going down? No, it's just trying to click on what words in the Wikipedia page, what they actually mean, because I have no idea what those words mean, because I've never seen those words. Gotcha. Well, let me start simple. A pattern, which you'll appreciate, Nick, because it's common in trees in nature, that's seen in the real world and in video games. The golden ratio. So if, oh, the, not the flow, what is it called? The Fibonacci sequence, which is also the golden ratio. No, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I literally read half a book on it, but it was so boring that I stopped. Okay. Well, golden ratio, for those who don't know, if I remember correctly, it's 1.618, something like that. Uh, pretty much that's what makes things beautiful to you. They're all over the world. And think about complex things in the world. From a flower petal to galaxies to hurricanes to people's face, they all have the same ratio, the same pattern. Now, it's one side of a coin to say that everything statistically has a ratio. That also seems odd to me. That everything from life objects to nature all on earth and in our universe have similar patterns but it's not the only pattern that's reoccurring throughout the universe nick are you familiar with the fine structure constant sometimes called one over 137 i'm pretty sure you know i'm not no i know but it makes me feel smart even though i just learned about it a little while ago as much as i'd love to say yes and then try and bullshit my way through that i don't know i don't know where i'd start well, 1 over 137 is a magical number found everywhere, like the golden ratio. But this finite structure constant is found in multiple equations in physics and mathematics. Equations that define the make makeup of electrons and atoms. Scientists have no idea exactly why this ratio keeps appearing in fundamental physics or what it means. The best and the theory that they have currently is that this is the ratio to describe the relationship between relationship in the quantum world. And something that may make it easier to grasp around your head is this is really weird to me. The 1 over 137, this constant used in multiple physics formulas that's like near basic fundamentals, it's unitless. No meters per second. No mass, no weight, no spin, no positive, no negative. It is unitless. Now, I can see how easy it is to, in a program, to have constants. Uh, so, so even though it's unitless, I just am picturing writing that on a test and some professor highlighting behind it and be like, units, question mark, minus one. Yeah, that's unfortunately a little bit too true, too true in the engineering world. But when you have these ratios, like the golden ratio, the finite structure constant, to me, like 3D modeling, it's big on polygons. You have points on your structure that help define the shape of it. Well, these polygons 
tend to be ratios. It seems to me like our, if we're in a simulation, these are some of the ratios that define, not polygons is probably not the right word, but define the building structures of our simulation. So they're the unit, they're unitless building structures for our simulation. Yes, almost, almost like um, think of all right. Look at this. You can only go so small. You have to build up. No matter how, like, uh, look at computers. You can right now, uh, like on your smartphone, scrolling through Instagram, you see your screen. You go a little deeper, you see electronics. Go a little deeper, you see this coding. You go a little deeper, that coding eventually all breaks down to ones and zeros. That ones and zeros always breaks down to electrons moving. Well, we can just call that electrons moving the basis, the very lowest platform the simulation can go. That might be that ratio, the ratios of that's the smallest baseline code that. Well, eventually everything has to break down to something, right? So no, no. Uh, so the currently the smallest thing measurable in the universe that is possible is Planck's length, and that's literally like our pixels of our universe. There is only a certain size we can go. It's not. It's not infinitely down small it might be infinitely big going up but we know going down eventually i think stops so going down eventually we'll find bedrock right but going up we might not so the opposite of what i would think in my head yes (laughs) yeah pretty much but okay sticking on with these ratios like a piece of code there's always errors so in a simulation, why would we not see errors? Well, we might. And we might not at the same time. I'll explain. And feel free to interrupt me because this is, this is I'm still wrapping my brain around it. Oh, I will. Starting with the largest possible error and working my way down, black holes. Now, take this with a grain of salt because black holes are a relatively new study and my astrophysics understanding is not so great. But many of you listening have played video games. And if you've ever seen a piece disappear, break, or put up an error sign knowing that the game's not running right or it's not reading some part of the code right, and sometimes it's small things like this cup's not rendering. Sometimes it's big things and the game breaks. So what if that's black holes? A safety measure for complex structures to collapse and default to. When you have something like a super sun, a, a, a nova sun, running so efficiently and it can't blow up without causing ripples in the universe, why not just have it default to disappear into a black hole? An empty space on the painting, which is our universe. So I guess, so my question is, like in, in a video game, things just either, like you said, disappear or sometimes they just appear as like a, a purplish line like no texture or you just like see through everything but they and very rarely do they do you know form like a black hole like something that continues to interact with everything else like wouldn't it be much more likely that a a glitch would just like stop working something like you just wouldn't see it sort well one we can't really see a black hole we only see what goes into a black hole but we see how they interact with stuff around them. Yes. All right. 
I, I've, I've thought about this. In a video game, say, say I'm, you know, running around on top of a car and the car is glitched. Well, we might not see the wheels slightly underneath the ground breaking the physics in the game. You step in the car and you get launched. It's still there, still glitched, but it still interacts with other objects. What And since it's always been, we've never seen it normal. We've, we don't, un, we don't un, completely understand that that's a glitch in the system. And to back it up a little bit, so mathematically, as far as we know, black holes have different physics than quantum physics and Newtonian physics. There's a lot of debate up on it. And a lot of debate on the discussion if information ceases to exist if it enters a black hole. So perhaps whatever it touches disappears. So perhaps it's a removal tool in a video game rather than just a glitch. Or since it, we've only recently discovered black holes, we've never seen them non-glitchy. Now we've seen the formation of black holes, which could be just the default disappearing of a sun that wouldn't make sense to explode because it would cause different problems with the simulation so you just shut it down but that is me heavily defending simulation theory which i'm trying to be indifferent but it's kind of hard it's kind of i'll be honest nick it's really kind of fun going down the rabbit hole i simultaneously want to prove and disprove simulation theory at the same time i don't really care for it but i also like it's fun it's not that I don't care for it. It's I just I don't feel affinity either way. <laughs> unless you're talking, unless you have to listen to three hours on trees, then it feels like affinity. Well, I <laughs> the only bad parts from the Forest Service was talking. You know that <laughs> you went to the forest and not talk to people. So yeah, I don't know. It's just for some reason it feels weirder or it's different than all these other theories we've talked about. And I think because I'd say the 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 discussion this most feels like was the is morality absolute discussion where it's like I think I know but I I can't say for certain. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It seems simulation is too large for one individual to comprehend. It's like uh, I'll be honest, it almost feels like Iron Man two. It's like Tony. I am limited by the technology of my time. It feels very much like that. It's like, oh, wait, we're, we got the premise, but I don't think we're uh, able to enter the stage just yet. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if, and, and the problem is it's tough because sometimes you say something that I agree with, but I want to argue with you. <laughs> I think that you might just hate me. I don't know it's what I'm saying. It might just be me. That That might be the problem. But I don't, I don't know about black holes. Like everything you said makes sense, but it also makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like it's I like don't... a caveman listening to a guy about to get and thump the guy on the head? Like I feel like it's like that. It's like I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on, let me piss you off some more. Some more. I have some oh. more errors. Yo, please continue. All right, sticking with errors. The collapse of the wave function. Perhaps one of the most craziest things ever discovered. You're probably familiar with if you observe something, it changes the outcome. Well, the experiment, the double slit experiment, which showed the collapse of a wave function, proved this. 
the double slit experiment should is just fucking crazy. That is one of perhaps biggest experiments ever done that does not get enough credit. But anyhow, you have two slits. You're shooting electrons. Well, if you don't observe them, they act as waves. As soon as you observe them, they act like particles. Which makes me think, if you start to look at what makes the universe the universe, it changes on you, making it nigh impossible to see the universe in the truest form. The universe could be, or not be, coded to never see errors. Thus, the truth is always just out of sight. So no matter how far we seek the truth, we have a coded we have lenses put over our eyes that we can't see the truth so no matter how close we get we'll never get and perhaps the fundamental of observation of hey i want to look at this well it's going to change now that you're looking at this kind of seems like fuck you like a little tri- that honestly seems like trickery to me and it may that could be an error in the codes like we don't want to see how the code's running so let's change it on them yeah, <laughs> but how would you how would you hide an error? Like, wouldn't it just be easier to just fix the error instead of making a code to fix the error? You have never coded in your life, have you? I don't know how much more apparent I can <laughs> okay. make it that I've never okay. coded in my life. Coding is like twenty percent code, eighty percent fixing errors, and a lot of times you just you you just slap shit together. Does it work? Yeah. Does it work a hundred percent? Yeah. Is it work the most efficient? No. Good enough. That is constant encoding. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I work in the woods, so I do biology, which is the opposite of technology. (laughs) Well, there is biotech. So yes, there's also an area where they meet. Yes. But imagine like in a video game, if the the characters start getting a little suspicious and want to see, well, you don't want them to see the, the ones and zeros they're made of. You just want them to see... X, Y, and Z. So every time... So now you're describing the plot of Westworld? Yeah, pretty much. That That's a very good analogy. But it's like... It, it's almost like an optical illusion. Wait, is that a Philip Dick? Mm, that might be a Philip Dick. I don't know. But every time... Imagine this. You have an object behind you. Uh, almost like a horror movie. Where every time you look at it, it doesn't move. But every time you look away, it does something different. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of like observation science is it's like you don't want to show the slaves on how the the machine works so you you change the machine every time the slave looks so so you're sorry i'm just processing (laughs) good pun so it's easier you're saying to just hide these things all right look at this way for the U.S. government, is it easier to distract the Americans, or is it easier to fix the problem? All right, yeah, you, you got me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's like <laughs> that's kind of where I'm going with that. But Nick, you have interesting tastes in phones, and well, you used to have a shitty old phone, which I guarantee you probably had its own problems, did it not? Uh, yeah. See, it's a it's a flip phone, and I own that in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. Well, I don't know about you, but when I upgraded pieces to something that's larger, or upgrade software, or fix errors, there's always some residue and remnants of the old, and perhaps we might be able to see the echoes of the old 
and I want to run this by you. The Mandela Effect. Which, for those who don't know, it's when a group of people, quote-unquote, misremembers a historical event or person. Some famous ones being like, Luke, I am your father. It's actually, no, I am your father. Or the Forrest Gump one, life's like a box of chocolates. It's actually, life was like a box of chocolates. Or Snow White, mirror, mirror on the wall. That actually is not what they said. They said magic mirror on the wall. And it's not just with sounds, which I could easily write off of like humans just hearing stuff wrong. But it's also logos. The Monopoly man never had a monocule. It's not Jiffy, it's Jiff. The fruit of a loom has no corpipoint. Corpor- fuck me. Has no cornucopia. Cornucopia. Uh-huh, I got there. Uh, uh, and it's logo. But what if both are correct? It was one way. Some new code got implemented. Someone hit the refresh. Most people took the update perfectly, but not all because there's so many people. And the only reason why we see the Mandela effect is simply on the sample size. What if the upgrades don't go to everyone? What if the upgrades are a little glitchy on the newest update? And I mean, look at phones. You do a thing on a phone and it usually has some type of error. What if both realities are true? Like, I, I, I understand the thought process. I'm just struggling to wrap my head around a person being has a sufficiently advanced technology to create this simulation, yet still plagued with the technical glitches of our time. It just seems simultaneously likely and unlikely. I don't know. I would say it's about 50-50. I mean, look how much, look at life imitates art. We have godlike technology, if you compared us to a caveman, and we still mimic things humans have already done or will do. Look at every sci fi or every historical movie. It's usually only, you know, it's only less than a thousand years each way from that current time in history. So why, and look at our paintings, they're usually based on nature. Look at our books. They're usually written with human-like characters or human traits. And stay with me. I was thinking about what about a Mandela effect on a larger scale? What if they are larger scale Mandela effects we just don't see? So, for example, what if the upgraders don't care about insignificant things like logos? Like, eh, who cares? It's good enough. It runs. But also, what about the most complex things in the universe are different and change because we're advancing our technology, but because there aren't that many people observing them, there aren't that many people doing research into them. The more fundamental things of the universe do have Mandela effect, but there's not a large enough sample size of people where the errors will occur. So say if we have a thousand people, five might have the Mandela effect on a movie. But are there even a thousand people looking at the fundamentals of X, Y, and Z for the universe? Probably not. So the chances of the code being fixed for them is much a higher percentage. Which is kind of just like the distraction argument, right? Yeah, um, both distraction and how... So usually when you upgrade something like we do, it's we're not usually throwing out the baby with the sink and starting over again. We're usually building up on top of old code. Yeah, and then just reducing battery life. Well, 
you got you have two uh, you have two options. You can either save on battery. I was just I was just shitting on Apple. Oh, I was. I was ac- it's weird. I was actually going to defend Apple, which is quite opposite of me. Oh, let's do it. I want to hear your defense. So the reason why your batteries suck after updates is because you have two options, and you can change the options on your phone. You can either change your processing processing speed, or you can change your battery life. Do you want your phone to be slower because it's not connecting to the network as better? Or do you want your battery to last longer? You got to choose one of the two options. So most, on default, they make the batteries work worse for your phone to keep up with modern times. And then if they could replace them. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's the right to repair, Nick. That's a whole different conversation. If they could. <laughs> yeah. I just love how they, because I, I rocked an iPhone 7 up until a few years ago. And, uh. They had that like lawsuit, and it was like if you make or if your uh, battery life or your like health battery health falls below seventy two percent, we'll replace it. And then they had that update, and it kept everyone's battery life at seventy three percent. Damn straight, dude! It's amazing what you could do with millions of dollars on the line. Anyway, yeah, right to repair, but continue. But to add on to, well, there's no way I would fall for the Mandela effect. I guarantee you everyone's fallen for the Mandela effect at least once in their life. But also, I want to point out, all humans... I would say, yeah, the... um, What is it? Amir Huckleberry? Oh, yeah, that's a huge... Oh, fuck. Is that is not what he's... I've fallen for that. No, the actual quote is Amir Huckleberry, which is basically I'll carry your casket. Oh, shit. I really thought he said Amir Huckleberry. Yep. A lot. That's what I thought too. God damn! It's Mandela effect in, in in real time. But you need to look at human senses, nerves, memories. They're all just electrical signals, signals that can be simulated, manipulated. Hell, we can change memories, ideas, and when people say they did something, we can really tell them that they did, even though they didn't. Like we we can do that with human brains. Imagine you give someone a thousand years, what they could do. So a thousand years worth of going back and changing things, pretending like nothing's been changed. No, just the ability to be able to change anything you want. You can, because I mean, humans are electrical signals being sent. That's essence of humans. We can modify electrical signals. I imagine in a thousand years we'll be really good at modifying electrical signals. Yeah, probably be beaming shit directly into our brains. But Nick, I want to touch on something with moral relativism that I'm very happy you brought up because that's a happy coincidence. Are you familiar with the Chalmers paradox? That just doesn't seem like a real thing. Well, I think we might have talked about it moral relativism, but I think it's relevant here. It kind of goes like this. Is a dog in a video game any less real than a dog we can touch in our reality? Yes. I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, look at ourselves. We can't interact with higher or other dimensions yet. Which is kind of the same as a movie character or a video game. They can't interact with our world. Doesn't make the people on the screen a little just not real. But so here's my argument. So I'm like the generic, like I like playing like a RPG game. Even when I try it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do like a bad person playthrough. I end up being nice because I'm polite. But then like other people who I know who are super nice 
they'll just do like a complete asshole playthrough and be like, well, it's not a real person. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. They might have some hidden demons <laughs> behind their, behind their but eyes. They're right, but, but it is just a computer simulation. So they're not being mean to an actual person. Who in a computer simulation would ever commit war, famine, plague, biowarfare? That would, that would, Ender's mm, game. Yeah, it's it mm, it art mimics life and uh looks like uh I mean there's a lot of shitty people in the real world, Nick. I would imagine they're probably it might be equal parts each way. But the reason I bring this up is because you were talking about why in the beginning the simulation exists. Well, I have kind of a different not why, but how. So in the video game world, to them, things are 3D, but to us are 2D. Perfect example is I'm watching a movie. Well, everything in the movie is 3D to those characters, but it's 2D to us it's on the screen, which brings me to modified simulation theory that is sometimes referenced as the universe is a hologram. A 2D universe perceived as 3D, which scientifically has a lot of merit that our universe is actually a 2d universe that we perceive as a 3d universe and whoever is controlling us is seeing us in a 2d universe the main reason why that one has merit is computer power it's much less resources are needed to simulate a 2d world than a 3d world it's a lot easier to simulate i don't know race car simulator 101 than it is to actually do it in the real world it would save so much computer size and for those listening but we're not 2d how would we know because i i'm seeing in three dimensions right now are you sure because if you're a video game character and you're looking at a table you see three dimensions of the table but it's really not three dimensions it's two it's two dimensional so if we are really a 2d world I guess I just don't understand, like, what the purpose is. Like, when we shoot, like, say say we're really a Truman show, so we think we're 3D, but really we're being viewed on, like, a 2D thing. Would that just be to, like, record data or, like, to view what's going on in the simulation? Well, it, it would make running the simulation much easier on a computer. That's talking with our own technology. It's a lot less computer space and memory and RAM needed to do so. So it would make sense to do so. Which I was going to bring up to the point of the computer size is no longer an argument against simulation theory. It used to be the amount of computer space needed to simulate the universe by our standards would be the size of the universe itself. That is no longer true. So what changed to make that no longer be true? just our technology getting better yes well i mean obviously but like what specifically i guess i actually have some research papers for you all right so it's not just the 2d hologram thought process though that has a huge part of it you you simplified the problem to render but a team at carnegie mellon university developed a computer simulation to mimic the formation and the physics of a galaxy only a single galaxy the formation and physics of this galaxy was in a colder model and is can, and can be and is used to try to attempt to predict new physics ahead. 
These advancements has changed the guess of a computer size needed to simulate the universe from the size of the universe down to the size of a planet. Within a decade, we went from the entire universe needs to be simulated by a computer as large as a universe to the size as a large as a planet. That's in 10 years. Imagine what will happen in 20. So what do you think is the timeline for us being able to create a simulation indistinguishable from real life? 20 years? No. This is... I think it depends on what you mean by life. Because right now we do simulations and experiments, different uh, computer programs and stuff like that. To simulate an entire universe where different things form, well, that also changes on your definition. Or is it just one planet with life? Is it multiple planets with life? Do we get to decide what's going to happen? Or is this just like, you know, write a couple few lines of code and see what happens like cellular automation which we talked in the previous episode if you're trying to get creatures like us that can create and stuff like that i would say within 50 years the reason why ai ai is already creating art how long until they create movies how long until they create video games ai is already starting to get not a consciousness but a bit of a personality now, granted, depending on who's making it, sometimes the AI is a little bit racist, but you can see the trend going. And it doesn't have to be indistinguishable to us. It just has to be indistinguishable to the people in the simulation, which makes it a little bit easier. Because if you if this is all you know in your entire life, it makes it so much easier to believe. So I guess when you said making it indistinguishable, not for us— but for people in it, like who's who's the us and the who's in it? Like, I guess I'm confused with the population. All right. So say me and you, we decided to collab and we make a, a sandbox game. And the sandbox game, we want it to be a simulation of, we'll say a Star Wars planet. We want those people to interact and act and think like, you know, Star Wars is real sort of exper- kind of experiment. Well, if you were born into that universe or a character created in that universe, that universe is all you've ever known. Much like us, if we are born into this world, it is all we've ever known. And like example, the Mandela effect. We've always our entire lives thought it was X, but in truth, it's Y. If no one ever tells us differently, we will always believe in X. If you... Uh, humans will adapt to anything. It's like what's the saying? If you, st- I, I guess, I, <laughs> if you stand in shit long enough, I don't, you st- you get used to the smell. I can't tell if the Mandela's effect is an argument for for simulation theory or just how stupid we are. All right, let me let me rephrase it then from the Mandela effect. What happened? I know, I was just, I, no, no, I no, it is true because humanity is stupid as hell. Your entire life, you've been calling an apple an apple. Well, as you grow up and learn about other languages, you learn that other people call it a different word, but it still means the same object. Well, if I was in a computer program and I told you that was Apple, your entire life, you would think it was Apple. But in my, say Nick, we create a Star Wars universe and we call uh, a Tauntaun in our new world, you know, to 
not to have copyright strikes. We call it a, uh, I don't know, a woolly wool. Penguins of Madagascar. Yeah, we call it Penguins of Madagascar. Well, in the entire universe, they'll known it as Penguins of Madagascar, but we know it was a wonton. But we get to dictate what those people in that world think it actually is. <laughs> I, lo- I love how we, we jumped from one copyright into the <laughs> 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 That's fine. No one listens to the podcast anyhow. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I understand. Yeah. Like, I get that. I understand how if, if you're born into it, it's all you, you would know. Like the cave analogy. Plato's right again. Well, yeah, it's exactly what I was thinking of when you're talking about it. But it. speaking of AIs, I don't know who, but some people decided to ask uh, an AI if we are in a simulation. More specifically, they asked Google's GPT-3. And the AI came up with this. Simulation is identical to reality. Everything is a simulation. There is no base layer. <laughs> Which sounds a lot like the uh, Nick Sportmus, uh original paper and it also sounds like the fermi paradox which is not great i was also gonna say like that's the the real terminator is just ai that kills us with depression (laughs) i think the smartphones are already doing that way ahead of their time (laughs) yeah uh i am curious though because i haven't i haven't come across this in the simulation theory of how much data is needed to actually predict because with cellular automaton a few lines of code can create entire world but do you really need to predict, or are you just running a simulation? I think those are two different topics. I think, uh, well, first, we'd, I don't think we're anywhere close to being able to run a, a simulation until we can get the weather predicted right. So, Well, again, I, I think we're, that, that goes we're back good. to how big of a scale of simulation you want. Like, do you want to be able to predict, or do you just want to run possibilities? Pretty sure we want to predict. We want to predict. Well, what if the, our creators don't want to predict? They just want to run to see what happens. Well, okay. So I guess that's the, the basis of the simulation. So you're so you're saying that we're in a simulation where we're just a... Uh, they like, just hit the button and, and just watch, a, set a down vari- and watch. We're a variable and there's other variables and we're just, they're seeing the difference between the two, not, or between the multiple, not they're trying to see like how we did it they're just trying to find an outcome not trying to predict what's going to happen yeah i i mean that is that to me is more of a real possibility like if i'm making a program i'm like i want like almost like a chef i'm like what happens if i put a little extra lemon in a little vanilla extract you know a little extra baking soda oh you put in too much communism the world's going to shit (laughs) how do we take it out how do we take it out i don't know how i don't know how I keep refreshing, but it just keeps getting people get to say quotes wrong. Yeah, I, I can't tell you on that. But I do have news that will make you happy, or at least made me happy. Scientists are trying to figure out ways to escape the simulation universe if we're in one. You know who they really need to get to working on that? The jackass crew. <laughs> <laughs> the immortal men, except for one. Like, <laughs> I'm Steve O. Today we're gonna get out of the simulation. <laughs> I can just see a catapult with Wee Man right now. It's exactly what I was a uh, catapult, yeah. <laughs> All right. But in twenty twelve, the University of Washington came up with an idea to test to see if we are in a simulation. 
using lattice quantum chromodynamics, which from researching it, because I didn't really know what that was, it's kind of like a futuristic microscope. This lattice quantum chromodynamics allows scientists to look at fundamental particles on a small scale and simulate them on what they're going to do and what's going to happen. Their hypothesis is eventually, if the computer gets big enough, we can simulate the whole universe and we can find a signature or a proof that we are in a simulation. The top list of signatures that they are looking for is high cosmic rays to see them at the edge of the universe. If they travel along the edge, they are most likely, we are most likely not in a simulation. If they travel diagonally, the chances that we are in a simulated universe increases. But along with universities, Silicon Valley is now getting involved with proving or disproving and finding ways to break out of the simulation theory with massive funding going into research. The exact details, I could not find. This is a lot closed behind doors, but there was a meeting done and at least three investors of over a million dollars have gone into research of trying to figure out how to break out of the simulation theory. So just kind of backing up a little bit, what, so the, the looking at the waves is just the way they travel because if we we're in a simulation, it'd be trying to use less- Not waves, Computing rays. power. Rays, sorry. Use less computing power that would tend to lean towards simulation, or if it moved more naturally, it would lean away from that. What's what are they hoping to find? I think because we'll we'll never get fast enough to reach the edge of our universe, we have to simulate the edge of the our universe. And I think based on our math, we should we should see X. But since the our universe, in a sense, space is expanding, but the universe is infinite. Since we can never reach the edge of space, we need to simulate it. We know mathematically what it should be, but much like uh, we were talking about in our first episode with render distance, that might show render distance. That's what I got from the article. Again, I'm not a smart man. I'm a fool with a capital F. I that's I that that I'll be honest, Nick. That was one of the things where I had to look up. Like, what the hell does this word mean? What does this word mean? What does this word mean? Yeah, it's a uh, I bit off a little more than I could chew, but to me, it was like a hard, it was like the first hard line in the sand I could find of like, if it's this, the chances increase. If it's not, the chances significantly decrease, which I'll be honest, haven't really seen that when researching the simulation theory. I have not seen any really hard line in the sand. No, I, I haven't either. And I, I just find it hard to believe like we're either where they're going to find it or we're not. I don't think, I think it's, it's going to be either extremely obvious or we're never going to know. True. Very true. But I did find it fascinating that even Silicon Valley's getting invested into it. Like it's got, I, Nick, I'll be honest. We grew up, we were born before the matrix was made. The matrix. Really? Yeah. Matrix came out in 99, right? I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I guess that makes sense. It's just always been a part of. Yeah, Matrix the came world, out in 1999, which would make sense that, like, I didn't see it till later, because I was too young for the Matrix end. But it just seems like one of those movies that was always there, kind of like, uh, like Deer Hunter or Blazing Saddles. Yeah, 
I, kind so of, I just pictured it coming out before I was born, but I guess it makes sense. But we've seen, I mean, I grew up with Twilight Zone, so I see some stuff in there, but we saw a huge, almost exponential growth of going from Plato's Cave to the 21st century on, I mean, just look at the last 10 years, how much more serious we got in the simulation theory. That's got to have some merit to thinking like that. So... So just because we're trying to prove more that we aren't in a simulation, that we're more likely to be in a simulation? I feel like more of every day we fur- we we stray farther from God and we get closer to simulation. <laughs> kind of like that. Isn't, isn't that from uh, what is it now? It's Jurassic Park? Maybe I'll—I'll I'll be honest. My first instinct was Futurama, but I don't know. That's probably been said a lot or something. Probably. All right. Once again, switching it up. Cellular augmentation we talked about, but there's a thing connected to it that I never did talk about. It's called emergence. Emergence basically translates to small things make up big things, simple things make complex things. That's emergence. So imagine now your car. Your car isn't just a car. Your car is made up of nuts, bolts, grease, oil, washers, plastic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's an example of emergence. A bunch of small things to make a whole thing. It happens in nature all the time. Ants make bridges, which I think I got from the Psy guys. I don't know. I definitely stole that one. I, I my, uh, my citations will be in the bottom of our YouTube description. Uh, but emergence makes sense to me from a simulation standpoint of maybe we're just a small processing simulation in a larger simulation computer to accomplish a task, to think something out. Like, I never understood why we always have to have one supercomputer. Why not have a bunch of small computers all working on it? Why not have a bunch of simulations all running on it? A large to make a whole. Like, why do we need one computer to simulate our universe? Why would it not make sense that there's like 10 or 20 or a whole server factory just running our our simulation? Yeah, so this, this is kind of another thing I thought of to not for this. So this is going to prove exactly how much of a nerd I am. Ooh, goody. So, for those of you who have played Mass Effect, the newest Mass Effect Andromeda, they go to a different galaxy. And kind of the storyline, you find out that there's this race of beings who match, use, like, basically create GMO species that are adapted to whatever planet they're putting them, them on. And then they let them live for a certain amount of time. Then before they get too advanced, they kill them and take all their technology, which is like the most brutal simulation. But one I could definitely see happening. (laughs) Right. God, I... But that's... I need to play Mass Effect. Well, okay. So part of that is in the story. Part of that is my inference of what they're trying to tell the story. So... You may play it and find something completely different, but that's what I thought slash saw from playing it. 
No, but it makes sense. Because the bad guys were computers who couldn't innovate themselves, so they'd let the so organics AI is letting humans and keep inventing this. Yes, but the, then stopping them before they can pose a threat. This seems very more real life than fiction. And again, that is literally just a fan theory. It hasn't been confirmed. Or like, it's just my theory, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, super terrifying. Definitely a possibility. Well, a possibility that I am going to mention, but please, for the love of God, take with heavy amounts of salt because the research, the publications, and lack of peer review is high. And, you know, I'm not throwing everything out, but this one I might. Quasi-crystal simulation. A quasi-crystal, best explained, is imagine a 3D crystal structure. So you zoom in, so you see the dots connected to the pipes, like a grid pattern. That's 3D. So, you know, it's it's a, it's a cube made up of pipes. Imagine a cube made up of PVC pipes. Well, you go outside and you hold it up, and the sun casts a shadow on the ground. Well, you're holding a 3D crystal, but the ground is mimicking a 2D crystal. That's a quasi-crystal. The shadow is 2D. The thing in your hand is 3D. And with quasi-crystal simulation, something called a 8D crystal, or sometimes known as 4 subscript 21 polytope, which I'm just not going to say ever again, I'm going with 8D crystal, is a theory that when viewed the 8D crystal from a specific angle, so much like um, getting a perspective on a view, so if you look at it one way, it looks something, look at it a different way, it looks something, that you will look at it from a specific angle, you'll get a 4D crystal. And from there, you can derive a 3D crystal, which would be the substructure to all of reality. That's what I got from it. Couldn't tell you anything more. Could not explain anything more. Uh, but from I from what I could tell, as they were saying, reality is eight dimensions. Which, I mean, w- I think that's kind of like the low number. I think we have like up to fifteen different dimensions we're thinking about. But you could mathematically or simulation theory figure out what the fundamental pixel is of our universe through this way that's what i got from it i'm too much of a dumb dumb to figure out any further okay so the crystals no we're, we're moving on from the i that's that is literally all i know about Chris, those crystals but i can tell you about a different theory now this oh, wait. can i go off on a tangent oh yes please crystal bitch it so i worked in northern california for a summer in in the Lassen National Forest, in Mount Lassen, there's this group of people who believe that these crystals allow them to access the fourth dimension, which is where Bigfoot and this group of cavern-dwelling things live inside Mount Lassen. Do they know that the fourth dimension is time? No. Like, we already know four dimensions. <laughs> Well, God that, damn it. They they'd literally believe the reason we can't see Bigfoot is because he's in the fourth dimension. <laughs> well, God, oh God. You know, I have to say that's trying still to remember makes... the name of the of the this people, but they're in certifiably insane. So 
uh, some of them lived in the apartment complex we lived in when I was working there. Oh, no. But these people, so this uh, guy hiking fell and broke his leg in the middle of the woods. And these people found him and they gathered around to heal him with his crystals. And he bled out and died because they didn't <laughs> call for help. <laughs> oh, no. Was he? So anytime oh. anyone talks about crystals, that's immediately what I think about. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm torn. When I think crystals, I think either salt or I think of uh, a basic white bitch. That's kind of that's kind of my my mindset too. Yeah, it, they're gonna be on like in ten years from now. They're gonna be on like a Netflix special. Oh God, you met a cult before it became a cult. No, it's definitely a cult. Like the the <laughs> people, it was two girls who lived in the apartment complex. They're part of. Let me see if I can figure out the name of it. But they were like from Nebraska, and they came on like a pilgrimage to like meet the, come to, to start a cult to be part of the cult. Holy shit! You ran into Mount a cult. Shasta, not Lassen. Wait, what? The it's Mount Shasta, not Mount Lassen, that the cult is a part of, or thinks Bigfoot lives under. Oh, oh my God! This is amazing. Why have I never heard this story from you? This is this is fucking amazing. Because I have a ton of weird Northern California stories. I don't think they're that special. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love making fun of cults. It's it's one of my favorite hobbies. But I got nothing else for crystals. But I do have another theory, one that I can't actually explain because I came up with it. I call it cross-simulation theory, which, to be frank, does overlap with the paper written in 2020 called Self-Simulation Hypothesis Interpretation of Quantum Mechanics. But for cross-simulation theory, each person is a separate entity in a simulation with their own computerization. Like I said earlier, why have one computer run everything? instead of multiple computers. It's emergence on an individual realm. Look at video games. The video game server does not have all your stored data. You have some data on your computer, your profile, who you are. Connecting it to the server makes it whole. So why, to me, this now this is kind of a leap, but for cross-simulation theory, it's a bunch of simulations crossing each other. I'm running on a separate computer than you are, Nick. You are running on a separate computer than those crystal bitches. I've been hacked. All... Yeah. No. I mean, that could explain... This is... I, I don't believe this to be true, but it could explain why people get mental diseases and go crazy. Is they have viruses. The the code didn't transfer completely correct. There's errors. That would all That would all fit, unfortunately. Which is not great. And, well, uh, this is a little dark, but like when people don't wake up from sleeping because they're dead, it, they had a connection error or something like that. Or, you know, like uh, well, near death experiences is like someone's running a simulation and someone accidentally unplugs and plugs it in back, but luckily you had autosave on or something. I, I so, think that. So, what happened? Like, so we, we count. Our simulations cross, and then, then we continue to drift apart. Or once we're crossed, we just continue in our world that's now 
the same. By cross, do you mean die, or by cross, do you mean? No, like enter? interact, because you said so. Like I'm in hypothetically my own sit- simulation. You're in your own simulation, and no, then no, no. our simulations cross. No. We are each we are each running a simulation, and we all cross interact in the same realm. So if I log so into we're playing my, in, it was a like a massive RPG game. Yes, kind of kind of like that. But instead of just having one computer run the RPG game, you have multiple computers. Each computer is an account. Each computer is that individual. That computer is responsible for one person. So that way, you don't have to have massive information. So that way, it's just uh, the only the only real issue I see with this stupid theory I came up with is births. I don't know how birthing a child fits into it. Does like uh, does birthing a child create its own consciousness on the other on a different computer? That's like the only that's that's the main issue I can come up with off the top of my head is I have no idea how births would work in that universe. Why wouldn't it just be like a new player joining the game? How does that, how does their PC get created? Someone builds one. How do normal PCs get created? Well, that see, that's, that's an issue. Uh, If it's a simulation and we go, okay, I'm on this PC. You're on that PC. We decide to have a child together. That PC has to be built on the outside world. So that means every child is determined by an outside force, which seems, uh, I'll be honest, if I was coding something, I wouldn't want to do that. So I'd honestly just not So you wouldn't want to wait nine months to join the game? (laughs) Uh, No, it's more like that's a lot of work for something I could kind of work around. But that, but that, so, but potentially what if not everyone was a player? And you just yeah, had NPCs running around, and then that is a very strong. When people wanted to join the game, they just start as like a toddler or something. Whatever. Yeah, no, that that could easily be it as well. That could be like that's uh, how I would do it if I was doing a, a game of life. <laughs> no one remembers being a baby anyway. Yeah, that is very true. No one, no, like what you don't remember until you're like three or four or something like that yeah i don't think like i'll be honest i don't think i uh, i think my earliest memories in preschool and what you're around four then you're asking the wrong person we only know a few dads well i have another personal adaptation which i have not seen anyone talk about as well it's entropy for those who don't know entropy well it's chaos it's natural chaos that happens in the world and Though I'm not sure how entropy plays into effect, I'm going to take a crack at it. Perhaps entropy is self-correcting bug in the program. Or perhaps it plays into simulation being the pseudo-randomness in the universe. Now, we talked about pseudo-randomness in an earlier podcast about how lava lamps actually protect your security online. So why would it make... I mean, entropy would honestly be better than lava lamps. But... For those who don't know, there might not actually be real randomness. And the computer that generates randomness, it's not real randomness. It's pseudo-randomness. Close, but no cigar. So why would entropy not be the same thing? Entropy, which is quite literally boils down to 
measurable chaos not be the randomness in the universe added into a formula, an experiment to make things more complex, to get things going, to get things pushing. It seems like entropy fits that role quite well, but I've never seen anyone talk about it. So walk me back through that again. So just, so the simulation is just random chaos? No. Entropy would be a feature in the simulation. So much like I'm trying to fix computer code errors, um, entropy would be the cat in a household. It would create but life a little bit more But wouldn't that be what we talked about earlier and that we're running a bunch of simulations to figure out like what factors affect things? That I guess that no. factor being entropy? No. So the factors could be different things mimic things, so, which could, could be your control. Your entropy could be you know, basic, so like uh, atmospheric pressure or something like that. But that's that's if we're trying to figure something out. It, entropy itself could be just it can make sure things continue to move forward. The storyline keeps moving. Things keep happening. Things keep moving. So like an entropy, this is a bad analogy, but if I shoot a, a, a cue ball at billiards and hit the balls, those balls will bounce off. Now imagine that billiard table being infinite. It keeps bouncing off balls, keeps bouncing off balls, keeps bouncing off balls. That's like entropy. It keeps creating chaos and mess. Well, it seems like if I want to see something happen in a video game, in a movie, in a simulation, I need a stuff I need a I need a match. I need something to spark. Entropy kind of fits that role. So but entropy is just like randomness, right? Like the increasing randomness of the universe. Correct. Someone but has to, to start so to it. Me, Someone like, has to control it. I understand that, but that I feel like we're back at our, like, I feel like entropy would be just as hard to code as free will. No, I don't know. Uh, I think we've already do simulations with entropy in our own universe. I mean, quite literally, I have a table of entropy figures for thermodynamics next to me. I, we can measure, we can calculate entropy. You can't measure free will. I would say one that we can measure and calculate and predict is a lot easier to simulate than something we still don't even know if it exists. We know entropy exists. We physically can measure it. We don't know if free will exists. We don't know how to measure it. I just find it like I 100% makes sense. It's just hard to, you're quantifying disorder, which seems wrong. wrong. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, imagine like uh, you're quantifying how big of this explosion is going to be. That's Kadoff, Kostrov, and stuff like that. That's that's it's not a great analogy, but it's a analogy. All right, hang on. I got I got one, another different, a different, a different one I came up with, which I think you will like, especially because how I describe it. Multi universes may be a multi simulation theory. And math supports the idea that multi-universes are real. But what if, instead of multi-universes, it's pseudo-multi-universes? One main universe making simulations, multiple adjustments to compare, to branch off. And to make an analogy with it, just for you, Nick, think of a tree. Finally, something I can understand. A tree trunk being the main universe... 
the branches splitting into simulated universes in one direction and the opposite being the roots splitting into simulated universes. I call this Schrodinger's tree. Now let me explain. Schrodinger's cat. It's either alive or it's dead. And from that breaks off into different universes. Well, there's a yes, there's a no. Yes could be the tree branches, no could be the roots. So every time there's something happens for a yes, another branch breaks off. Another branch grows, I should say. Every time I say no, a different root grows. All at the center being the first universe where everything started breaking away from the Schrodinger's tree. So I guess I, I'm just trying to, so what, that just seems like multi-universe theory. Yeah, I mean, you could agree with that. Yeah, you could see that, but I could see the main universe being, and, and then the rest being simulations. Like, okay. the multi- so I get, what, the mul- I get oh, Okay, I get what you're saying now. So the, that ev- that pretty much everything that, most of this action is taking place in the the trunk, the bowl of the tree, and then there's little offshoots that are taking place. Each root leaf system is branching in its own little thing, but everything is stemming from that one main universe simulation. Yes. Yes. I, I apologize if I butcher that explanation, but I... I uh, yeah, that's what I that's that came to my mind as well when researching this. So, um, and correct me if I'm misunderstanding. So, do you think the that quote unquote trunk simulation is a simulation, or do you think that that's reality and they're running simulations that are then that are, or or is am I spitballing? See, that's where I'm torn. Is the tree just a single figure, or is it a tree in a forest? I do not know. It can be whatever you want it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Imagination. There's literally no one checking our work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I don't know. But I thought that was one. I'm very proud of the name. Stranger's Tree with, you know, roots. and. Well, I'm very proud of half of that. (laughs) Oh, sadness. Sadness. Well, I was going to say, we also don't know how consciousness work, and we don't know if that, how that plays a factor in the simulation theory. My, and, and this brings us back to the unanswered question of the first episode, and maybe just because of the kind of person I am, that everything has to have some sort of purpose. Like, we do something because it has a purpose. Now, again, our federal government doesn't work that way, but in my mind, that's how the world works. And I just, I'm... I'd like to believe that there's a, a purpose dream. in the simulation, and I am torn. It's like, what are we trying to figure out? I can't tell if we're going backwards or forwards. Like, are we trying to figure out answers from the past or answers from the future? Hang on, I got I got something to hurt your brain because uh, I'm also in the same boat as you, Nick. Of like, I, what is real? What is fake? Would it create a new paradox if we found out that we were in a simulation? Like, we can't figure out that we're in a simulation because it creates a paradox, much like you can't go back and kill your own grandpa. Is that is that a thing? So you never figure out if you're in a simulation or not. I, I imagine that makes more sense because 
we'll never be able to figure out because I would create a paradox. The Truman paradox. Yeah. Perhaps the only way to truly know is to travel the in-between, the areas in between multiverses, to see if we are in a simulation. Or if our coder just comes down and tells us that we're in a simulation. That would be very helpful. But Nick, what if a simulation theory was something more than a computer simulation? A complex dream? A hallucination? A book? A story? More complex and more detailed than what R.R. Martin could ever write? Making his books look way small. I mean, that's what's happening, right? History is way more complicated than an R.R. Martin book. Yeah. Do we think? That's... Hypothetically. <laughs> yeah, but it... I, I, I've I always seen, when it comes to simulation theory, computers. Never seen much on dreams, hallucinations. I think it's the easiest parallel to draw from computer to simulation theory. But doesn't mean... Just because it's the simplest road doesn't mean it's the correct road. I don't, I don't know if we should put all our eggs in one basket when researching simulation theory or philosophizing research simulation of it's a computer. We might need to brighten our horizons for that one. So here's a you'll t- I'm a, I'll tell you something. You tell me if you think this leads more to simulation or not simulation. Like the patterns of nature, of disturbance regimes, like wildfires. X amount of years, like pet history repeating itself, do you, does that make you more likely to believe that we're in a simulation or less likely to believe that we're in a simulation? Unfortunately, more. That though as time passes on, humans do not change. Unfortunately, it makes me lean towards more. But my personal opinion on simulation theory is much like on free will. The math kind of leans towards one. But here's to holding out to be the last bastard saying, nah, I'm going to believe the one in a million chance that it's <laughs> that we have free will and we're not in a simulation. Everything and everything I come across is like, eh, it's probably deterministic simulated universe. It's like, nah, I'm, I'm going to refuse and believe in the other. Well, luckily, there's a lot more stuff pointing to determinism than there is to simulation theory which at least for when talking about simulation theory it's not as depressing as determinism so yeah at least there's a neo in the matrix yeah determinism is just depressing (laughs) oh i was so sad when we did that episode that one that one fucked me up for a little while but something else i want to add with simulation theory there's something a factor that no one brings up and it drives me crazy And I think it's a huge missing piece, not just for simulation theory, but for humanity and science. Time. We still don't understand it. We still don't completely get time. Something so simple, mundane, that seems to be fundamental. We have no idea how it works. Perhaps time will be the key to unlock what our reality is. Is it actually true or simulation? And I don't know if you came across with anything with time. I I didn't come across anything with time, so I, I could go either way on it. By either way, do you not think time has some factor in our universe fundamentally, whether it be a simulation or none? No, I, I think it has a factor, but I don't 
I could be persuaded that it is more indicative of a simulation or less indicative. Mm. I that I, I understand that. But for to me, time is so complex and it's something I don't know, time time haunts me in my dreams of trying to understand it. And I feel something like that, something so simple could be a key factor to figure out if we're in a simulation or not a simulation. Or if we're in a simulation, how to break out of a simulation. Because when you start talking about time with, you know, time dilation, going back to black holes, going going back to the speed of light, going back to all, all these factors that influence time. Time is a mistress still under, under, ununderstood that I think is unjust. Something that has been throughout all the universe. We have no idea how it really truly works. We literally based our time off the rotations of the sun. Granted, we changed it to atoms decaying or certain radioactives, blah, 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 blah. But that's not how the rest of the universe works. I don't know. I feel like time time is a missing piece that we should definitely be more focused on. So the the key is in the most complicated thing. Or the most simple. We don't know. It's in the thing we don't have enough of? Yeah, it feels like that constantly. I mean, hell, for all we know, time could be a pendulum of starting the Big Bang, going out to the universe is so far away we don't even see stars anymore in our sky, and then swinging back to collapse on itself. So, sorry, going back, this is the question I've been stewing over for a long time of the, uh, when I asked you about the way patterns exist in nature and in human history. And I, I keep going back and forth, but my argument of why that we're not in a simulation is because any computer that could produce a simulation as good as this one should be smart enough to stop communism, right? <laughs> but, not, but not just that, but we have patterns of authoritarianism, terrible economies, elect a strong leader, give him a bunch of power, he's a terrible person. We keep doing that over and over again. Only living beings could be that stupid uh mm, i don't think so i have you uh have you ever seen like video games like you try to do x and it just doesn't right work. but also we're supposedly in a simulation that's we is indistinguishable like we can't figure out if we're in a simulation or not that leads me to believe that there's no no, no. that's there's a difference there remember how i said if it's all you've ever known it's all you've ever known well that is true because it's when I talk about, but I I'm you got to base it off, but I'm basing it off our technology, which seems pretty good relative for our life. We don't have anything that can compete with the one we're currently in. Like I can't put on glasses or a suit and just completely go in this other world. Give it fifty years. Can, I mean, look, I just, I just think v- that we're, Facebook VR, that Neuralink. Our, I'm just happy we're stupid because I don't think anyone else could be that stupid. I don't, right? No. I think, I think if there are aliens out there in our universe, at one point in their time or eventually in their time, they will be as stupid as us. I think conflict, destruction, and survival are the fundamental emotions of the universe. Every sun's trying to survive a black hole. 
Every planet's trying not to get hit by asteroids. Every being of life is just trying to produce so it can pass off its offsprings. Survival is what makes up survival is what makes the universe tick. I think I don't think human has human stupidity has no bounds. I don't think stupidity itself has no bounds. I mean, look at uh, just, look I at Han Solo pulling his gun. Purpose. What's his name? What's his name? Thought he could shoot Han Solo. You never shoot the main Greedo. Yeah, you, you, Greedo was stupid. He wasn't human. Well, that's not <laughs> come on. That was fair. good. That was good. So I I guess my point is like I just don't see a purpose in a simulation where we repeat patterns of history, but our technology gets better. Try to see how much technology is needed to make sure we don't we stop repeating our patterns. What's the level of intelligence we need to get to to stop repeating ourselves, to break the cycle? Not not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> nope, definitely definitely not there yet. Like I, I mean, try to figure out a simulation for peace. What's the best way to figure out peace? Well, simulate a bunch of universes. <laughs> this one's not working. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just. It's frustrating because the truth is we will probably never know we'll or never at the very know. least never know in our lifetime. Until we get to the end and go to hell. Respawn. <laughs> yeah, that is a uh, hell. That could be a possibility. You know, going back to my idea that we're all in the same RPG world, that could just be what babies are. They're just respawns. So you still have the same users just respawning in different bodies. Didn't what what episode do we talk about that in? Probably karma. No, uh, death and reincarnation. Oh yeah, it's a pretty common held belief in most of humanity. <laughs> reincarnation. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone wants to die. <laughs> so, well, I mean, no one wants to die, but just coming back—that's a pretty different view. I mean, where would that come from? What do you mean? I don't understand. Like out out of like. It's a pretty commonly held belief across a lot of cultures that people can come back as something. But what do we see in our daily life that would lead you to believe that people come back as something else? Humans are slightly less shitty with each other every generation on a whole. Um, much like free will and determinism, we, we, we choose to ignore all the information and go with our gut feeling. Yeah, I, I just... It's just a weird occurrence like a lot of people believe in reincarnation but how many people do you know who came back as something else like that yeah no i get what you're saying but it also feels like uh the same argument used a lot in simulation theory we have we don't know if it exists we don't know if it doesn't exist so therefore both are equal in odds there's like a special statistic name for it i don't remember what it's called but to me, it kind of feels like it's like uh, shaving points. It's a little, it's a little not right. It feels feels something wrong about that. Oh, it's just a weird. I mean, we talked about it before, but I just find it interesting. One way or another, to me, our simulation is interesting. One way or another, the world's so weird. Whether it's been designed or someone just hit play and watched, sit back and watched, or. That we're just on our own on this rock floating around in the vacuum of space. We're, or we're just someone's YouTube channel. That, yeah. 
Either way, we can't really change that yet. Might as well make the most of it. What do you think, say we could break out of the simulation? What would that even look like? Probably a higher uh, multi-dimensional being that we can't quite apprehend because we're only in 4D. It's probably in a higher dimensional plane that is able to manipulate different types of matter that we don't even comprehend. And we would probably, with our brains, unless we somehow evolved or sent a machine through that, would probably disintegrate us a bit. Much like... Uh, it, How does one get disintegrated a bit? Uh, like melting your brain. Uh, not it, Seeing something... Kind of like uh, in the, the last Indiana Jones, which was not great, when she asked for all the knowledge and it killed her because it was too much knowledge. Seeing 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 behind the curtain just destroyed your brain because you weren't able to do it. Kind of like um you know, like in like Futurama Family Guy, when you ask a robot a question and it just gets on a loop and it's on a if else statement and it keeps going, keeps going until it blows up. Kind of like that for us. So we find out the answer is 42 and then we explode? Seems like it. But I will tell you this. If I don't explode and I somehow break it out, there's a lot of middle fingers going out to those higher beings. I'll spit in the eye of the gods. It's hilarious. You, you get out, it's just like a bunch of humans, a bunch of stoners, just <laughs> running some, ex- just fucking around, getting high. Oh, that'd be, oh, yeah, yeah. It'd probably be the same way how a video game character in Red Dead feels if he found out they were in a video game. You're like you, probably. you fed me to cougars how many times? But Nick, that's all I got. Unless you got anything more? No. Now I'm just super depressed. So yes, yes, yes. For those listening, I'm curious. What is your opinion on a simulation theory, or what's a weird take on a simulation theory that you haven't really heard of, or one that's not discussed much? Because it's hard to figure out everything. And Nick, where could they tell us their past, their knowledge, their ideas, and information? Find us on Instagram and Reddit and YouTube. And out of curiosity, what book are you reading? Uh, I'm reading The Last Four Fish. It's about the big four commercial fish in the world and so why they're important, how they're important, and... why they're... Uh, tuna, salmon, cod... I can't remember. I want to say stripers, but that's I don't think that's right. Catfish? No. Ah. Well, how is it? Uh it's the problem is I'm not I'm an environment I'm I like to consider myself a practical environmentalist in where I don't think the solution for every single problem is we just kill all the humans. And I think that's what this book is leaning towards of Doing nothing is not a solution in my mind, but I I like fish. I like ecology. I like to hear what people have to say, but I don't always agree with them. But uh, it's I'm still pretty short in, but I just get the feeling I don't like this guy. But uh, what, are you, what are you reading? I shit you not, and I can't make this up. I started reading Deontay's Divine Comedy. For this episode? Nope. Or just, just for shits and gigs. Just for shits and giggles that accidentally happened to coincide with this. So, uh, looks like I'm reading up on where I'm going to be going <laughs> after this. And what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm only, I'm only like five pages in and it's, uh, man, just the artwork alone makes you go, it's not going to end well for me. <laughs> but with that being said, 
Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.